And uh, we've been in a series called Off the Leash. And uh, we've been making our way through the book of Galatians. And we're talking about freedom in Christ. We're talking about freedom in Christ. And we're talking about the reality, the gospel, that word gospel means good news. And what the good news is, is that there is a message. There is a hope for humanity. It is the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ that allows us to experience the freedom that God intended for us to have. There's this free gift of life. Jesus called it abundant life, and Jesus called it eternal life. And there's this free gift that we can receive through faith in Jesus Christ that allows for us to have freedom from our sin, freedom from uh, uh, people's opinions, freedom from, from the law, freedom from religion, freedom from all of these things that we can have relationship with Jesus The gospel is good news because it's free and it makes us free. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. And tonight we're going to really see that we don't have to live bound to our own ability or works. We don't have to live bound to our own ability or works. And this is the primary problem for the church in Galatia. The primary problem for the church in Galatia. Um, Basically, Jesus isn't enough in their mind. They're thinking that, that the, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified isn't enough for their salvation. And so they're thinking it's Jesus plus your good works equal access to God, forgiveness of sins, and relationship with him. They think it's Jesus plus other things. And so the Apostle Paul writes to them and he says, sorry to break it to you, but what you guys are making, you guys are taking good news and you're making it regular news, right? Because good news is, hey, it's free. Regular news is it costs money. And Paul's like, stop taking good news and making it regular news. And so he writes to us to help us understand how we can live in this freedom. I titled this message tonight, if you want to write it down, Stay in the Wheelbarrow. Did you know that that's how you say that word? I hate that word. Like, I'm not lying. Wheelbarrow makes more sense to me. Wheelbarrow sounds like I've got something stuck in my mouth. Anyways, stay in the wheelbarrow. We'll talk about this guy in just a moment. Galatians chapter 3. Do you guys like my prop? Thank you. It's a wheelbarrow. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to how, okay, listen to how frustrated the Apostle Paul is, okay? Ready for this? Verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians! Exclamation point. Like, he's like, he's pretty upset. Now, we have just entered into Galatians chapter 3, a new section in the book of Galatians. Chapters 1 and 2 is the who. Chapters 2 and the, uh, 3 and 4 is the what. And chapters 5 and 6 is the so what. So it's who, what, so what. Another way of saying that, it's personal, it's doctrinal, and then it's practical. So it's who, what, and then what do I do with that? Or so what, or now what? So we've just entered into the doctrinal. This is the what. This is the meat of the letter of Galatians. This is what Paul wants us to talk about. And this is so important to him that he says, you foolish Galatians. And then he says, who has bewitched you? Another translation says, who's put a spell on you? And then another translation actually says, oh, dear idiot Galatians. That's what it says. No joke. The Phillips translation says, oh, you idiots. Who has tricked you? Who, who's deceived you? 
He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Now, Paul's like super sarcastic, and he's asking a bunch of rhetorical questions. He says, okay, you foolish Galatians. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He says, are you so foolish? Another rhetorical question. I, I like that. Like, are you so foolish? And like, how do you answer that? Like, yes? No? It's rhetor- He's like, I don't want an answer. Are you so foolish? Yes, you're so foolish. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That's all we're going to consider tonight. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about it. Father, we thank you again for your word. We ask that you would help us to make sense of this, and Lord, help us to understand exactly what you're trying to say to us about walking in the Spirit. God, we thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have you ever been overly confident about something? Like overly confident, like you were sure about something only to find out that you weren't sh- so sure. Um, the other day, Shane and I were uh, driving, and we saw this guy skateboarding um, down the street. And Shane rolled down the window, and he was confident it was his buddy. Um, what's his name? Doomba. Doomba. Um, we, he was confident. So he rolls down the window. He's like, yo, what's up, man? And the guy, like, looked at him and gave him one of those waves, like, you know the waves? Like, you're like, and he's like, no, yo, <laughs> Hey, man. And the guy's kind of like, and like went on with his life. And Shane's like, that was so weird. Like, we went to high school together. Like, we just saw this guy like a couple weeks ago at the skate park. We're like, this is, what is happening? And then we watched the guy pedal away. And Shane realized the guy was actually pushing goofy footed. And his friend is regular footed. And then he thought about it for a second. He goes, ooh, that was not the guy I was thinking it was. The guy was like, hey, man, like, all right, like, random person waves at you. You're like, all right, buddy. But, like, so confident, like, that is my guy, only to realize, like, that's not my guy. Um, Like, overconfidence. Have you ever also, this is kind of random, but on the other end of the spectrum, speaking of people's names, I'm great with faces. I'm horrible at names. Like, I promise you, I will be, I could pick any one of you out of a crowd from any situation and be like, that person has been to the factory before, I guarantee it. Like, no matter where we are, I could pick you out of a crowd. Your name, I love you, but I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so bad at names. The worst situation, though, I swear, is like if you're, you're, you're it's somebody you're friends with and you're like, I need to get your number for some reason. And so you're like, hey, what's your number? And then you put your number in and then you're like, I don't know their name and I really should know their name. So then you do like a a number of things. One, before coronavirus, you say, hey, will you just put your phone number in my phone? You just hand them your phone like it's all cool. Now we can't do that, so you got to come up with something else. So one of the things I've learned is like you say like, hey, how do you spell that? How do you spell that? The worst, though, is like when it's like Carl. And you're like... Yeah, is it with a C or with a K, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Or what I'll do, my, my favorite is, is uh, what's your full name? What's your full name? You know what I'm talking about? Like, what's your full, like I want first, middle, and last. What's your full name? I need to know it so I can, but, but it's like overconfidence, but then it's also like underconfidence, and you're like, you just look like an idiot. Like, it's Carl, man. Like, it's not that difficult. 
reason I bring that up is because Paul is intensely and sarcastic, sarcastically telling the people in Galatia that faith in Jesus is enough and they have it. The problem is they are getting too confident with themselves. They're thinking that actually it's not just about Jesus. And so he asks them a bunch of rhetorical questions so they realize the foolishness of what they're thinking. They're like, ah, it's Jesus plus these other things. And Paul's like, are you so foolish? Are you really that dumb? Is what he's saying. Like, what is happening? Jesus saved you, but now you think it's going to be something else that's going to get you ultimately to where God wants you to go. They know the gospel. The cross was clearly portrayed before their eyes, and yet, for whatever reason, they're beginning to trust in themselves rather than in Jesus. There's a tendency for all of us to do this. And so my first point tonight is this. God's got you. God's got you. You need to understand that God's got you. This is what Paul is saying. If you've placed faith in Jesus, then you are saved, forgiven, and you're adopted into the family of God. That is the gospel. That is good news. If you've placed faith in Jesus, you are saved, you are forgiven, and you are adopted into his family. But they are thinking that in order to be adopted, they need to change their identity. And Paul says, no, listen, faith in Jesus is enough. Faith in Jesus is enough. But faith is complete dependence upon Jesus. Wheelbarrow is about to enter the chat. There was a famous tightrope walker in the 1800s named Charles Blondin. This is that guy, Charles Blondin. Shout out him. And he was a famous tightrope walker, best known for tightrope walking across the Niagara Falls. Pretty, pretty spectacular. I mean, look at this guy. Well, most famously, he's known for taking a wheelbarrow, across Niagara Falls. So, here he goes. I'm going to try to do this with one hand. And he walks across microphone. <laughs> Niagara Falls, right? Imagine this. I can't even do it on a stage. I'm going to turn around. Like five-point turn. That's how I drive. Anyways, so he walks across Niagara Falls. Now, the story goes that when he got to the other side, he gets there and there's a whole crowd of people waiting for him on the other side. They're clapping. They're going crazy. They're like, oh my gosh, you are amazing. You, I, I can't believe you do that. And so he asks him, he's like, hey, he's like a great showman. He wanted to, you know, get people all amped up. He's like, do you believe that I can get back to the other side? And they're like, yeah, we believe, right? Like, you can do it, man. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And if you believe me, how about somebody gets in the wheelbarrow with me? If you think, if you're so confident that I can tightrope back to the other side, how about you just sit on in there and we will walk together back to the other side. Now, you can imagine that there was sort of a hush, right, over the audience. So like, he'll do it, right? Like, I'm good, not me. 
But what this was is, is they, they, they had a mental belief, right, that he could do it, but they didn't have enough faith or trust to actually get into the wheelbarrow. Now, let me tell you, faith in Jesus, it's not just a mental acceptance. It's not just recognizing or believing or even understanding some element of who he is. What faith in Jesus is, is getting in the wheelbarrow and trusting him to take you to where he wants you to go. And can I tell you that if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ, you have gotten into the wheelbarrow. And let me tell you, God's got you. And no matter what it looks like as you walk across life, and no matter how shaky it gets or how confusing it gets, or like, I don't know if I'll make it to the other side, let me tell you, God's got you. And the message of Jesus is that if you believe in him, he has you no matter what. And what, what Paul is saying is that they've placed faith in Jesus, and now they need to be confident that God's got them. They, they, he, he writes to them, he's like, oh, huh, foolish Galatians. Oh, you poor, poor, dumb, idiotic Galatians. He says, who's tricked you? Who's put a curse on you? Who has, who has confused you? Because at one point, you were confident in Jesus. And one, at one point, you were so confident in Jesus that you willfully jumped into his wheelbarrow. You said, I trust you. I believe in you. I recognize that you're God, and I'm going to leave all, and I'm going to follow after you. They've gotten in the wheelbarrow, and yet now they're starting to doubt him. And what I want to remind you of tonight is that God's got you. They need to keep trusting Jesus. And no matter what you go through, Jesus has got you. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you trusted Jesus with your life yet? Have you come to the point where you've recognized that, do you know what? There is a destiny that God has for me on the other side, and I have to willingly lay down my life, and I've got to surrender all to him and then trust him with my whole life. Have you made that decision yet? Have you, in a sense, gotten in the wheelbarrow yet? Let me, let me say it again and remind you that God's got you. But the second thing you need to understand, and the whole point of what Paul is writing to, writing about in this portion is this. Your works don't work. Your works don't work. This is the big idea that Paul's trying to get across. They have gotten in the wheelbarrow through faith, but now they think that growth is going to happen through works. So they've, they've placed faith in Jesus. They've gone, I recognize I'm a sinner that I can't get myself right before God. There's nothing that I could do that could ever cause forgiveness of my sins and accepted, acceptance to Jesus or any of that. So I am placing faith in Jesus. They've come to that point. And now they're thinking... That, do you know what? It's not going to just be faith anymore. It's actually going to be what I have to do. And, and so Paul, he says, okay, answer a question for me. Answer a couple questions for me. One, are you so foolish? Come on. And then he says, having, verse 3, begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In, in other words, what he's saying is that it was the grace of God that saved you. It was nothing that you did. 
That is one of the best things about the gospel, is that we don't have to get God's attention. You already have it. You don't have to earn God's favor. You've already got it. You don't have to beg and plead and, and, and wish and hope that one day God will accept you. God has accepted you through Jesus. It's so simple. It's so good. And it's the grace of God that saves you. But now they're thinking that, do you know what? The grace of God, in a sense, got us to first base. But if we want to hit a home run, we need works. Like if we, if we want to actually see this thing through to the other side, we need to rely on ourselves. They're starting to play, place confidence in themselves. And listen, there's a tendency in Christianity that we begin to depend, or excuse me, that we depend on Jesus for salvation, but then everything else is up to you. That Jesus, like he'll get you in the door, but then everything else, like you've got to at least fake it till you make it. Like, you've got to pretend like you don't have any struggles. You've got to make sure that you fight and willpower over every temptation that you have. You've got to make sure that by your own resolve and by the own strength of your hand that you do all the things that God has for you. And there's a tendency to think that it's, it's up to me. And Paul says, Paul, are, you, are you really? Did I, not, did I not explain it well? It's the grace of God. The grace of God is this free gift that, that you, you can't earn, that you can't deserve. And, and because of that, you can't lose it. God's grace is, is, is sufficient for, for it all. And what happens is when we start thinking like this is we begin to focus off of Jesus and onto ourselves. And Paul says that there's a spirit that lives in the followers of Jesus that works in our lives. And the spirit at work in our lives is what changes us and makes us more like Jesus. The church of Galatia is thinking that Jesus is the base hit. But if you want to hit a home run, you have to do all these things. And listen, your works don't work. <laughs> your works are, are you trying to be a good person or you going to church X amount of times or you even saying a prayer or you doing this thing or the other. It, that's not what makes you right before God. What makes you right before God is what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And so what we need to understand is learn how to live in the grace of God. It's always only about Jesus. You need faith in Jesus to get going, but you need faith in Jesus to keep going. And faith makes you a child of God. The spirit of God in your life then causes spiritual growth, and we need to learn to be dependent upon his spirit. Maybe, maybe some of you guys live in a family that's very works-based, and what I mean by that is, is you find your parents' approval based upon what you do and what you don't do. And, 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 and you're not sure when you come home with this report card or when they find out about this news or when they hear that you did that thing, are they going to blow up? Are they going to freak out? Are they going to disown you? Are they going to kick you out? And you are so used to a works-based relationship that you think that that's how God works. That God is just sitting around waiting for you to screw up. And then as soon as you do, you're out of here. We can't allow it. Let me tell you, that's not how God works. God is a, a gracious God and a loving God. That he, he's, not, he's not sitting around waiting for you to mess up. And then he's going to lay down the hammer and lay down the law and kick you out of here. It's a grace relationship. And what that means is, is you didn't earn it. 
by your works. And so you're not going to lose it by your works. That we receive the grace of God because of what Jesus has done. And we need to learn to be dependent upon his spirit. Worship team, you guys can come back up here. I'm going to close right now. If you can, actually, I'm going to, let's get back to the wheelbarrow, shall we? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was dumb. Okay, now, imagine for a second, right? Imagine for a second. I'm going to set this right there. Imagine for a second you placed faith in Jesus. Now, not just a mental understanding, not just an acceptance like, okay, I'm cool with it, but imagine you actually got in the wheelbarrow. Imagine you came to a point in your life where you realize that Jesus has paid it all and he is worth my whole life. And now Jesus is taking you to the other side, right? And on the other side, we're using that same illustration from our our homie, the tightrope, that's walking across the Niagara Falls. Jesus is taking you to the other side. On the other side, there's is the life God has for you. On the other side is the peace of God. On the other side is purpose and destiny. On the other side is joy and favor. And God is taking you in his wheelbarrow to the other side. So so you've placed faith in Jesus. You're in there. And he's got you. God's got you. Right? This is what he does. He's got you. So you're there in the wheelbarrow. He's taking you to the other side. And you just, man, you can't wait. God's got a plan for your life, and you're all in. God's got a calling on your life, and you are just like, yes, I want that call of God. God's got peace that surpasses understanding. You're like, yes, I want that peace. I'm all in with Jesus. Then imagine for a second you're walking across. You're going. Jesus is taking you to the other side. You're in the wheelbarrow. Just picture yourself in there, right? You see yourself in there? It's hilarious. You want to get in there? I'm just kidding. I can't. So imagine you're, you're going, and then you just go, you go, actually, G, 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 wait, Jesus, 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 hang on. Just a second, hold on. Um, I, I know you're, like, standing on this tightrope and all, and I know we're, like, dangling out in the middle of Niagara Falls. Um, but you know what? I think I'm going to get out and walk, and I'll take it from here. Like, Jesus, you've, you've got, I got in your wheelbarrow, and you were going to take me to the other side. But do you know what? I think I kind of, I got the hang of it. Like, I see how you've been doing it. Um, so how about, just pause, just for a moment, set it down. And how about I just get out, and I walk to the other side. Now, I think his response, and probably the people on either side, would be like, oh, you foolish person. Right? Like the Apostle Paul, like, what, what are you doing? Do, you, you really think that you're going to get out of the wheelbarrow and you, and all your experience, all your five minutes of experience, you're now going to walk yourself across to the other side? That's, that's crazy. Could, could, you, could you imagine what he would say? He'd be like, why are you getting out? Don't you trust me? Well, ha- haven't I got you this far? Oh, I mean, 
we, we started over there, and everything was good, and you got in the wheelbarrow, and, and, and you trusted me, and now we're halfway across, and I mean, you're safe. Things have been good. Why, why are you getting out? Haven't I been there for you? Haven't I taken care of you? Haven't I walked with you this far? But there's a tendency in all of us to become too dependent upon ourselves or measure our relationship with God by what we do for God. Do you know what God wants from you? He wants you. All God wants from you is for you to just sit with him and trust in him. God doesn't need you. We're like down here like, God, look at all these things that I can do. And God's like, that's nice. But if you would just trust me, you have no idea where I'm taking you. You have no idea the life I've, I've, I've destined you for. You have no idea the calling and the purpose and, and how much the world needs you. You have no idea. And so if you would just trust me, if you would just stay seated and recognize that, that God is in control and that God has got you and that God has a plan, you'd realize that, that you know what? He's way better at this than I am. Let me tell you, I'm sure if we were up over the Niagara Falls and you were sitting in a wheelbarrow and an expert was walking you across and you were like, hey, um, I think I'm going to walk from here. I don't think you're going to make it very far. It'd be like, one. There they are. And then the helicopters, and it's like, oh, well, should have just stayed in the wheelbarrow. Right? And yet, and, yet, and yet with God, for whatever reason, we think that God is going to get us started. And then, okay, God, I, I'll take it from here. I don't need you anymore. I don't need to pray. I don't need to trust you. I'm just going to do the things the way I want to do them. I'm just going to go in the direction I want to go. I'm just going to figure this out because, you know what, I, I watched you enough. I saw how you work. I, I mean, you're cool, God. You do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Let me tell you what God wants from us is us. He wants us to just trust him, to get in with him. And I think God's heart breaks when we try and do stuff on our own, when we could just reach out to him and depend on him. Every time when we say, like, okay, God, I'm, I'll take it from here. I'm going to do things my own way. He's like, wait, really? What have I done that would make you think that I don't have the best in mind for you? What have I done that, that, that makes you think that I'm not going to be faithful even to the ends of the, the earth? What have I done that makes you think that I don't have promises and that I don't have plans and that I don't have a purpose for your life and that I don't have peace that surpasses understanding? What makes you think that that's the case? What have I done? How in my history and how in my and all of my faithfulness would you think that I would not be there for you? And God just wants us to go, I just want you. Listen, trust Jesus. Get into the life that he has for you. Trust that he's got you and stay in the wheelbarrow. Stay in the grace. Stay in the favor. Stay in the plans. Stay in the purpose. Come on, stay in the calling. Stay in all that God has for you. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Don't think that, do you know what, God, I'll take over from here. You are a nice 
pilot while I was the co-pilot, but God, you can step aside for a minute and I will direct the rest of my life. Why don't we be people that stay where God wants us and allow him to direct our life and allow him to lead us to the best and the perfect and the purpose and all of the things that he has for us because trusting that he is a faithful God, come on, that he is a good God, that he is a loving God, that he's a God that's there for us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us and we're gonna stay where he wants us. So Father, we thank you for your...